0: Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. I am John Schmelk He is Lance Meadow. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch that way, you can. Thank you so much for being with us. Giants fall to the Arizona Cardinals 27-21 to in this game. Lance, a six-point game. It was a three-point game about midway through the fourth quarter. So it was a game that was right there for the taking. But in the end, and we'll get into the specifics obviously, but I'll just speak broadly for the moment, just too many individual mistakes, whether it was turnovers or penalties or a lack of execution, you know, drops, missed field goals, go down the list, bad decisions, it was just way too much for this team to overcome against the Cardinals.
1: We've talked about this over the last few weeks, John. It's one thing to commit four turnovers against the Washington Redskins and be able to overcome that. Now, part of that is because you also have four takeaways in a game like that. And let's be honest, when the caliber of the opposition changes, how you execute is a big part of the conversation. And yesterday, as you just alluded to, you you could point to a variety of different situations and circumstances as to why this game laid out heavily in favor of the Arizona Cardinals. Now I know a lot of people are going to want to point to individual players and saying that one individual won slash lost the game. I completely disagree with that philosophy, but let's start with a few. The biggest thing out of yesterday's game, John, that jumps off the page is the pressure that Daniel Jones faced throughout the game. Arizona had eight sacks and 12 quarterback hits. Chandler Jones feasted, for the lack of a better term right now to choose, okay? He teed off on that Giants front line and had himself a field day. He had a career high four sacks He had three tackles for a loss, and he also had a forced fumble, which was his fourth of the season. He's an extremely opportunistic player, and you saw why. And the inability for the clean pocket to develop, play in, play out, drive in, drive out, was a big part of why the offense struggled yesterday.
0: Now, I'll say this, Lance. I thought the protection was good enough until the final two drives. Four of the eight sacks for the Cardinals came on that final drive. Four. So that was when the opportunity was there to perhaps take advantage of the lead. 100%. But if you look at the first three and a half quarters and you went into this game and I told you, Lance, the Giants gave up four sacks through three and a half quarters. You would have been like, all right, that's not bad. And if you take a look at those sacks, they did give up. One of them that both Pat Schirmer and Daniel Jones spoke about today on the strip sack in the third quarter was on Jones. That wasn't on the offensive line. He held the ball too long on a screen pass. They had Evan Ingram out there blocking Chandler Jones. No one expects him to sit there and block Chandler Jones for three or four seconds. It's designed as a screen. All he's supposed to do is hold him up to give time for the screen pass. Jones didn't want to give up on the play, something that we talked about after he was drafted, something that his coaches have said he had to work on. And instead of just throwing it away, it was similar to the play we had the week prior against New England when he held it, and he held it, and And he held it. And he tried to throw it out of play, and he got hit. Correct. Same exact type of play, except this time he was sacked and he was stripped. So that wasn't on the offensive line. So I thought, while the line certainly did not play well, this line, to me, until those last two drives, played well enough for this Giants offense to succeed. Now, the wheels fell off for them a little bit. In those final two drives, not making that point at all, because those last two drives were a mess. You had the miscommunications. Jones had to free run. Chandler Jones had to free run at Daniel Jones, yep. the quarterback, on the miscommunication between Barkley and Remmers. They both blocked the outside guy, and Jones came mm-hmm. right in. That's something that obviously has to be cleaned up. You can't have that sort of thing. And Patrick Peterson had the cornerback blitz. Then uh, the other sack, Zeitler got pushed back by, I think it was Cassius March. And then Jones tried to roll out. Suggs was being ridden around the cornerback by Solder. Jones scrambled right into Suggs, who stripped the ball. And then you had Brooks Reed just won on that final sack of the game. So, yeah, pr- protection was a problem. Do I think it prevented the Giants from scoring more points in the first three-and-a-half quarters of the game? Honestly, I don't. And I know I'm in the prime minority there, but I watched every play last night and this morning and there were plenty of opportunities to make plays in this game, if not for some of those other mistakes that plagued them. And, and that's where I want to go next, Lance, is the penalties. Yeah. Oh, because killer. the penalties were a killer in this game. And I'm going to go back to a drive. And again, in a game that was a three-point game at the end, right? The final drive of the first half. This, to me, uh, this was the two, when yeah. the game was lost.
1: I agree with you. I brought this up on the post-game show last night. This, yeah. to
0: me, is when the game was lost. The Giants go down 17 nothing early in this game. They score two straight touchdowns. One on a drive, the second on the block punt. The Giants get the ball back with 5.52 remaining in the second quarter. Okay? They drive the ball down. They get it to the 41-yard line. Barkley has a loss for minus two. Third and seven. Jones converts the third and seven on a nice pass to Golden Tate in a small window. Then on a first and ten play, Jones looks for Evan Ingram down the right sideline, throws a nice pass. Ingram drops it, can't come up with it. Could have been a big play. The next play. Barkley runs right. Daniel Jones, uh, excuse me, Will Hernandez holds in the middle of the line. It was the correct call. It was right at the point of the tack. I believe it was Peters that he held, if I'm not mistaken. Corey oh, Peters. I mean, he was holding a run on the shoulder yeah, pad. He pulled it. the shoulder yeah. pad up. Easy call, but Barkley runs for 32 yards. That would have put the ball at Arizona's 17 yard line. Okay? So that's two consecutive potential big plays gone because of execution reasons. Despite that, you regroup a little You're in second and 20. You get it down to third and 12. Daniel Jones makes another nice pass to Golden Tate to convert a third and 12 with a 14-yard gain. So now you're in business. You're at the two-minute warning. First and 10 at Arizona's 37-yard line. You get a short pass to Barkley for six. Then Barkley tries to run it up the middle. Instead of accepting a two-yard loss, he tries to bounce it outside. He loses six. Yep. That puts you in a third and 10. It's bad enough you throw an incomplete pass because there was some pressure on that play and he couldn't get it out. No one was really open down the field. But not only do you throw an incomplete pass, Mike Remmers, and another good call, by the way, gets called for holding. A second holding call on the drive. So Arizona accepts the penalty. It pushes the ball all the way back to the 47-yard line. Keep in mind, Alge Grosso big leg. He can make a 55-yard field goal. Now you're back to the 47. They try to run a little bit of a draw. They only get five yards to the car on those 42. Then they have to punt. So that is minimum three points, potential of seven points taken off the board by a combination of penalties, drop passes, bad execution, bad decision-making. And that, to me, in the end, even though it's not the sexy last two drives, and we'll talk about game management and stuff like that too – that, to me, is where this game was ultimately lost.
1: Yeah, they were at the Arizona 31, and they managed to back themselves up to the Arizona 47. So, a
0: second and four at the 31.
1: Yeah. Well, and regardless of the strength of Rosas' legs, the bottom line is you still maybe have an opportunity to get a touchdown there at the end of the first half. Yeah. And maybe you go into the locker room with the lead. Instead, you're down 17-14, to 14, and you know they were going backwards more so than forwards. Self-inflicted wounds is probably a good way to describe what transpired yesterday. And I'll take it a step further, similar to the turnovers issue and the pressure issue, you know, we've seen these self-inflicted wounds carry over from game to game because you can even go to the Patriots game where there were missed tackles, opportunities to stop people on third down, John, Mm -hmm. on defense, and as a result, New England continues to drive. Same thing with respect to the Minnesota game. So, you know, unfortunately, these problems have reared their ugly heads over the last three games, and it's no coincidence that the Giants have lost all those.
0: And you wrote about the turnovers today for cover three. You're just not going to have a game where you're minus three, and really it was minus two because the one lost fumble came on a fourth and 15. So it would have been a turnover and downs anyway. So in reality, more of a minus two. Point stands. If you're minus two, your chance of winning one of these games is very, very slim. Well, and I agree with your point, John. However, if
1: you just want to take it a step further, even though you would have turned it over on downs, you gave Arizona three points as a result of that. No So question. now you have to score a touchdown totally as opposed fair. to just maybe get in field goal range and force overtime. So I would say that does change the dynamics. But the bottom line is the Giants now have 18 turnovers. That is the most in the National Football League. The Giants have a turnover differential of minus 10. That is the second worst turnover differential in the NFL.
0: And you tweeted this yesterday. What is Jones specifically in terms of interceptions and fumbles?
1: Now, that's only in his five starts because, remember, he lost a fumble in the Cowboys game. Okay. So I didn't include that. But in the five starts, since he took over starting quarterback, he has had right now 11 turnovers. He has seven interceptions and four lost fumbles. But if you want to include the Cowboys game, it's now a total of 12 since he's joined the Giants. And, you know, that's obviously an issue. But to me, it's a bigger issue across the board because the running backs have lost some key fumbles over the last few weeks, not necessarily in this last game. And what's happening, John, is turnovers are killer, no matter how you look at it. But turnovers are 10 times worse when the opposition says, thank you very much, and we're actually going to take it into the end zone. So over the last two weeks, the Patriots and the Cardinals have scored 31 points off of seven turnovers by the Giants. That is huge. Now let's add to it, John. They also had a block punt, the New England Patriots, okay? So I know that doesn't go down as a turnover. It might as well be. But let's face it. It might as so well be. So that's another touchdown. If you really want to be technical, that's 38 points that the last two opponents have scored at the expense of the Giants' takeaways. And in this Impossible game... Impossible
0: to win games. I don't care how much talent you have on the roster. And Jones' interception in this game, three plays later, 20-yard touchdown run. Then you had the sack fumble three plays later. 22-yard touchdown, Short run. fields. That's what you're doing. Yeah. You're, you're giving teams the ball either deep in your own territory. I think after the Tate interception, it was at the 30-yard line, give or take, in that first quarter. I'll check that right now. It was in midfield on the sack fumble. Yeah, the interception gave the Cardinals the, the ball at the 32. So, And it's just three plays. And chunk plays, too. And we'll get to the defense in a second, but let's address the end of the game offensively first. We talked about the protection issues. Uh, if you heard Pat Shermer's press conference yesterday talking about his decision-making on the 3rd and 18, the 4th and 15. Just to clarify, a pass was called on the 3rd and 18 play. Daniel Jones saw the soft box, moved to a draw play, which quite frankly, you look at the tape, guys, there's literally four people in the box. That should be a run you can get 8 to 10 yards on. You set up a 4th and 8 or a 4th and 10, a more manageable And then guy. you go for it. So, I honestly don't have that big of a beef with the draw play. We saw the Cardinals on a draw play, convert a 3rd and 11. Earlier in the quarter, wasn't there? A third and eight, Edmunds what was it? Edmonds went untouched. Yeah, and that's what that Barkley play should have been. But the offensive line didn't block it as well as they could have. Pat Shermer said that today. And after Barkley kind of got tripped up in that third quarter, he had to retape his ankle. I don't think he was cutting as well either in the second half. So he put those two things together. They didn't get enough yards. And then on the fourth and 15, uh, Pat Shermer stood by the decision last night. Today, he, it was more I understand the criticism of it. He wouldn't quite say he wouldn't have done it again. But he was much more open to understanding why going for it on fourth and fifteen wasn't a bad, wasn't the best idea. Um, I think our ultimate reaction last night off the off the bat was, yeah, in that you know two timeouts left, punt the ball. But the rationale Pat Shermer gave, I'll try to explain it to you folks, is that in that situation, if you punt the football and you give up a first down, game's over, period. Clock runs out. Use your two timeouts. Doesn't matter. Game's over. I think he believed that if they get the ball inside the 30 there, or inside the 20, whatever it ended up being, they kick the field goal, they run it three times, which is exactly what they did, by the way. You get the ball back, it's still only a one-score game, and you have under two minutes to score. Now, obviously, the big difference is there. You need a touchdown and not a field goal, and that is a significant difference. No argument there, just giving you what the rationale was from the coach from when he spoke at the podium yesterday. I I think I put that pretty well, right?
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that's exactly how he spelled it out because he was pressed upon this multiple times in the postgame presser yesterday, and he said, and I know this may rub people the wrong way, but if you read between the lines, he had voiced how it worked out exactly how he anticipated, meaning, yes, they gave up valuable field position, John. And three points. Okay, but they quickly got the ball back, and they still keep it a one-score game, and had two 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 timeouts two, an and opportunity a to move the ball. Now, you know, here's the thing: it's easy to look back when things don't work out and play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. I mean, everybody can do that. And, and I thought what Pat Shermer said to the media today, John, puts things in perspective. Whether you agree or disagree with the play calling, the bottom line is if the Giants execute and Daniel Jones is not sacked, the draw play goes for seven or eight yards, it's a much more manageable fourth down. Notice how the conversation we're having today, it may not lead to a Giants victory, but we're probably not having to dissect the end of the game and the decision-making. So, Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, this is not an excuse. This is just the reality of the circumstances. When the players don't execute and things don't work out, we then question the play calling and the decision-making. When the players execute and perhaps they fall short you know then we look at it through a different lens so today we're looking at it through the lens of the play calling and the decision making as a result of what they set forth with the plays did not work out the script was not followed to how they anticipated
0: and if you guys want to call up and complain about that fourth down decision totally get it we're not going to argue with you call and make your point we're happy to have you 201-939-4513 hashtag giants chat on twitter um, we'll talk about the defense in a yeah. second. Let's just make an overall comment on Daniel Jones in terms of where he is, because that's a big story, obviously, coming out of this game, Lance. And I think we're seeing the ups and downs of a rookie quarterback. We're seeing spectacular plays like the Red Ellison touchdown. We're seeing other very nice plays, the uh, small window throws to Golden Tate to convert third downs. He actually made some really good Throws on blitzes. He threw behind the cornerback blitz to Cody Latimer for 13 yards. He checked down on a couple pressures. Uh, Barkley and, and Fowler had a couple on the left flat that went for first down. So a Red Ellison touchdown?
1: Yeah, the Red Ellison yeah. touchdown was Perfect a fantastic placement. throw. Yeah. A I mean, I don't know throw. what Buda Baker was thinking, but that's a whole other issue. It seemed like he was a little slow to react on that, right? <laughs> I think Buda Baker yeah. was like, Red, welcome to the end zone. Congratulations. I think he was
0: afraid that Red Ellison was going to run him over if he tried so. to hit him, to be honest with you. Yeah, but it was still a perfectly a placed Perfectly football, pass. No matter what happened. Great yeah. throw. So that's the great stuff. But then you have the stuff that you have to get corrected And Pat Shermer said it today, and Daniel Jones said it, is protecting the football one when you get hit. you got to do a better job of that. Then it's decision-making. He tried to squeeze that ball into Golden Tate on a third and long when, you know what, in that situation, check it down. The turnover there is going to hurt you a lot more than a punt will. It's okay to check it down in that situation if he's not open. If he throws that right on time, with the perfect velocity and the perfect placement. Does it have a minute chance of getting through? Maybe. But he patted the ball an extra time and it was over. It was over. Gave the defensive
1: back an opportunity to come over. Well, Jordan Hicks, I should say. Yeah,
0: and then the other turnover was, again, I mentioned the similar people had against New England. He just held the ball too long. Once the screen's not there, it's not going to show up. Yeah, Barkley did eventually try to get outside, and if he had another second, could he have got to him? Maybe. But Look, just throw the ball at the the feet of the running back. It's an easy throwaway. They never call intentional grounding on a play like that because the screen player is right there. Yeah, he's in the vicinity. Exactly. So just throw the ball away, and he has had situations, not just on that play, other plays too. We've talked about it. Rookie player, wants to make plays, holds the ball too long. You get spectacular plays out of trying to make small window throws and holding it to make big plays, and then you have the disastrous plays in the same thing. So he has been doing good things just not every time. And you have to fix the times where he's not doing the right things. Which, frankly, we talked about this. Like We talked about how he checked all the boxes in practice and all that stuff, right? Well, guess what? In practice, you don't have a pass rush bearing down on you. If you hold it too long, do you know what happens? The defensive lineman runs past I mean, you stops and too. you still get to make the throw. Correct. The that doesn't happen in a the game. Of the red jersey. And at Duke, what, we talk about some of the things with him. When things broke down and the play didn't go the way it was supposed to, sometimes, at the end... He would make some decisions where you're like, oh, boy, I don't know about that. So this is all things that a rookie quarterback has to get through in his rookie year, and that's okay. I think for some people the expectations got so high after he played so well against Tampa Bay Lance yep. that now you have to understand, folks, still the rookie quarterback still going to have a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. Well, and on
1: top of that, after he put some film down, I think other sure. coordinators and coaches, John, had a better grasp of what they had to deal with in the week's upcoming. So, you know, that changes too. Just like... Not so much running room on a lot of these plays anymore, yeah. right? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. because I think they watched the Tampa Bay game, as you just mentioned, and saw him run mm-hmm. wild for that seven-yard touchdown and also a number of other big plays at the expense... Of that Tampa Bay defense, which was playing really good football coming into that game. And they said, all right, well, when we play Daniel Jones, we're not going to let him run wild against us. And I think we've seen some teams employ a spy, some teams shadow him. And it's a copycat league, right? We hear that term all the time. And the more and more that teams see this team had success doing this way, then they're going to repeat that. And by the way, not to get completely off topic, Matt Patricia is from the Bill Belichick School of Thought. So I'm sure he's going to have some similar principles that Belichick and the Patriots threw the way of Daniel Jones.
0: Boy, he got, they got lit up by the Vikings this week, and It huh? doesn't
1: help that they've lost three in a row, two straight to division foes.
0: I've never seen a fantasy defense get minus 12 points. Did they did? What, would you start him in a league? <laughs> Did not go it, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, we can't talk about the defense, but I don't want to wait much longer to get to your call. So if you have a question about the defense, we'll get to it along the way on the show at 201-939-4513. I want to remind you that it's all brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Let's lead off with Ron in New Jersey.
2: Hey, Ron. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call.
0: Thanks for calling in, Ron. What's on your mind?
3: I got a stat for you. Okay, right? what do you got? Uh, and it kind of goes back to something you guys were talking about a lot during the off season. Last year, the first eight games, the Giants were in shotgun seventy-one percent of their snaps. They averaged eighteen and a half points per game. They allowed thirty-one sacks. Second half of the season, last eight games, they were under center fifty-two percent of the time. They allowed sixteen sacks. They scored twenty-seven and a half points per game despite having a zero-point effort against the Titans. This year, shotgun 71% of the time, quarterbacks getting beat up, the offense is not scoring. Why do you think that this team has gone away from what worked for them last year with a very similar roster, if not better probably with the upgrades on the offensive line? If
0: you look at the first two games with Eli Manning, I believe they were under center a lot more. I think with Daniel Jones heading into quarterback at Duke, he was in shotgun a lot, and he ran yeah. a lot of that stuff out of the gun. So I'd have to look at the splits from the first two games to the last three or four, or whatever it is, five. But I, I would bet. them for you. Oh, what do you got for 60, me?
3: They were under centers uh, uh, in shotgun 67% of the time the first two weeks.
0: But remember, though, they were also down to Dallas by about you know yeah. 21 yeah. points early in that game, too. So game flow had something to do with that. Um, I would have to look at it, to be honest with you, but I think – my, in my humble opinion, and again, I'd have to look more closely at it, those are very good numbers and, and you make good points. I think Jones's presence and the fact that he used shotgun a lot at Duke probably has a lot to do with that. Well, but I also think game flow, too, on top of that, because
1: let's uh, piggyback off of your point about the Cowboys game, John. They're down 17 nothing to the Cardinals. Okay, you already dig yourself in a hole. Yeah, you came back against the Patriots, but you were down 14 nothing. You're down and then big all against sudden, Tampa. You're down again. You were down against Tampa, and Minnesota, you were also down. So, you know, they're that's playing the catch-up from all those games. I think that's another big reason to answer your question, Ron, why they're in shotgun a lot. I think it's the combination of, as John mentioned, his comfort at Duke and maybe making the transition smooth. Smooth, and then also, they've been playing from behind in 90% of the games
0: so far. This year. Ron, do you have in yeah. front of you, and, and I can check it too, and I'm probably asking too much of you. But, I, I you, do, sharp football. No, right? I, I got gotcha. you. No, I got gotcha. you. Have, do you have play action percentage from last year, I, I, last I, day, compared to this year? I, I don't, no. And, and the one thing
3: I, I want to just touch on. I'll it, check that. Yeah. Kind of the point you guys just made was just because you get down 14 nothing early in the game and a lot of these games have been like the first couple of drives that a team is scoring. It doesn't mean going in shotgun and throwing is the right move. I don't, it, especially with a young quarterback there, he's getting killed back there. It doesn't seem like this approach has worked for the Giants. I, I didn't want to go back to McAdoo, but it didn't work under McAdoo. It's, it hasn't worked yet under Shermer at some point. I feel like they need to try to do something else. I got to run back to Rupert. I want to ask you one more question. Sure. I'm yeah. going to jump off the air. Pat Shermer's been here now since a year and a half. What is his most redeeming quality?
0: Thanks, guys. I think, honestly, Ron, I think Pat, I like his offensive scheme. I think he schemes people open. I think he knows how to run on the offense. He will take shots down the field. This is not a check down offense. They will try to get the ball down the field. And generally speaking, there are a few times in this game where they weren't. But generally speaking, I believe he gets guys open in his offensive schemes. I really do. Well, you go back to the game yesterday. You know, there were some opportunities down the
1: field. You had some drop passes. You had, obviously, some opportunities before all of a sudden the pocket closed, and that falls on the quarterback, too, holding the ball a little too long. So, you know, once again, after a game like this, do you say to yourself, was this a loss because of schematics? Or was this a loss because of the lack of execution? And I would lean more towards the lack of execution than perhaps the scheme being out of whack. And you could also go back to some of the previous games too against the Vikings and the Patriots. Uh, They have been plagued by drop passes each of the last few weeks. They've been plagued by penalties when they can least afford to have those. That Patriots game, okay, the Giants were knocking on the door in the red zone a few times, and whether it be because of a fumble, whether it be because of an interception, they walked away with no points. So it's not the lack and the inability of being able to move the football, I would point to, as to why the Giants are 2-5. and It's just the conglomeration of mental lapses that are happening when this team can't afford to do that. And I go back to the Redskins game. The Redskins game... Because the Redskins were in such disarray. They had injuries. They clearly then parted ways with their head coach. You can afford to turn the ball over four times when you then go up against a fellow rookie quarterback who did not start the game, was thrown into his first regular scene game action, and you were able to capitalize because he was taking chances and you had a good aggressive read on him. Okay, But when you're going up against Tom Brady and the Patriots, who present a well-oiled machine. When you're going up against Kirk Cousins, a veteran quarterback, who's surrounded by two elite receivers in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and a great running back in Dalvin Cook, and when you go up against the Cardinals team that, yes, has a relatively new scheme, but they've been playing much better football over the last two weeks, and they just, oh, by the way, get their Pro Bowl cornerback with Patrick Peterson, you could throw out the philosophy of we could get away with four turnovers and we'll find a way to get back into a game. You don't get a block punt for a touchdown every game. Okay? You don't get a defensive fumble recovery returned by Marcus Golden every game. You just can't rely on those things to present themselves, and then you make a 14 nothing deficit, a 17 nothing deficit dissipate. So once again, I get back to, I really don't think this is schematic issues. I just think this is the players, when they have opportunities, they got to take advantage of, because the margin for error right now for this team, forget minute, it's non-existent. Giants can't afford to make mistakes.
0: That's they, where have, they are right They now. have to play very good football. They have to, to play perfect games. football, John. I don't know if they'll play. It. You have to play near perfect. perfect football, but you have to play good. You have, you have to play an A or a B game if you want to have a chance to win. If you show up and play a C or D game, you're not winning. Yeah. I, by the way, I don't care what team you're playing. I don't. I just don't. Well, I mean, but, dude, no, I agree with you. Look I, at the Bills this week. The Bills almost lost to the Miami Dolphins. They were down two scores to the Dolphins. Yeah. The Bills are a one-loss team. Well, That's it, how the league works.
1: Because it's a week-to-week league. There's not a huge disparity between opponents. You've heard us say that time and time again. I say the parity of the NFL. That's a term that I utilize. I wholeheartedly agree with you. But the reason I did bring up the Redskins, John, And it's not that I'm trying to pick on them, but I think the circumstances for the Redskins in that game presented a golden opportunity for the Giants because it's not very often that you get an opponent that decides to remove their starting quarterback after the first two series and says, here, Dwayne Haskins, baptism by fire, go into the game. So that, that I think was a great opportunity. And the Giants, to their credit, took advantage. And we've said this all the time. You have to beat up on bad opponents. And to the Giants' credit, they did. But the Cardinals, I thought, was a team that a lot of people were sleeping on. And I'll go back to a conversation David Deal and I had, John, last Wednesday on Big Blue Kickoff Live. The both of us were pointing out, with Peterson's return and some of the defensive playmakers and how the offense was going along, I disagreed with a lot of Giants fans that felt, oh, the schedule is going to open up now, and you're getting to the easy section, and this is going to be a layup line. Don't sleep on some of these upcoming opponents, including the Lions
0: and the Jets. Okay, that's not how the NFL operates. Doing a little shotgun, first half, second half, sixty-nine percent second half, sixty-three percent first half, and I got to do Eli versus Jones too at some point. I'll figure it out. I'm I'm, I'm working on the call while you do the mathematics. eh, This is. I'm going to go into a rabbit hole here if I keep doing these sorts, and it, it, it's going to become problematic. I'm getting these off of profile. Thanks, problems, Ron, by the, the way. way, for bringing this up. No, but, we really appreciate no, it. No, but I think I think Ron makes a good point. No, he does. Because I'm because just we, giving we, him a Because time. we talked about that second half of last year, how a lot more play action, and I was about to sort play action next, and playing under center was advantageous because that's what Eli Manning traditionally has been good at. The difference is that Jones hasn't necessarily traditionally been good at that. And really, I, I know people want to go after the offensive line. Guys, it's – a lot of it is – Quarterback holding the ball longer than he should. There's a reason. If you look at the pressure rates when Eli Manning was the quarterback as opposed to Daniel Jones, they're much, much lower. It's just that's what happens when you put a rookie in there. It's part of it, and it's okay. You get it. But it's just amazing, Lance. I don't understand. When you have a quarterback that's mobile, how you are getting all this pressure? Yeah, I don't understand. It's truly
1: remarkable. That has been a stunning development to me. The other stunning development is that the defense – is just more motivated to play with Daniel Jones, at quarterback, right now. That's another mystery that I have had so many sleepless nights wondering you mean, why we haven't gotten to the bottom of that you yet.
0: You mean the 13 plays, 75-yard to start the game for a Listen, touchdown? I, don't let the numbers ruin a good story, John, okay? <laughs> Stop being a party pooper here on this Monday, okay? <laughs> All right, let's uncalled go, for. Let, let, let's go to Ture in Philly. He's up next. What's up, Ture? How we doing, Ture? Ture going once. I hear something. Line three, McKenzie. Oh. You got to put him on hold. There you go. Trey, you there? Oh, yeah.
4: Hey. What's up, Trey? How how are you? Just um, agreeing with you guys that you just said about we have a mobile quarterback and we shouldn't be getting sacked like that. Um, The problem I have is uh, going back to the last caller uh, about the shotgun. It does seem like we're in shotgun too long. And I think defenses, when they look at film, they notice that. Like, hey. They keep him in shotgun, so we have an opportunity to get to him. And what I think Sherman should do is try some bootlegs, get him moving out of the pocket sometimes.
5: They I mean, do do that.
4: And he's just standing back there yeah. taking sacks. I mean, eight sacks—that's that's, that's that's uncalled for. I mean, the second half he should have had him moving a little bit more, you know, on the run, uh, make, get creative with him, getting him some design runs in there. I mean, eight sacks, man—that that was just crazy. I, I was disgusted with that game yesterday, and. As far as that third and eighteen, I mean, if I was a defense, there's only one or two things that I know is coming: a draw or a screen. The defense they already had knew it was coming.
0: Uh, no, 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 no. no. right hold on, hold on. If you look at the tape at the snap, do you know what the linebacker is doing on that play? The linebackers are running backwards away from the line of scrimmage. So no, they did not know a draw play was coming. Yeah, they were anticipating a deeper throw. Correct. Perhaps, Perhaps. Correct.
4: Nah, I don't know. Dude, I watched the tape. I
0: I I watched the play. You can't just make stuff up and say it's true. It's not true. I watched the tape. I can show it to you. The linebackers at the snap ran backwards.
4: I I, I, I can beg to disagree, but... No, 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 (laughs) no, 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 (laughs) no.
0: You are not begging (laughs) to disagree. It's a fact. It's a fact. You cannot disagree on a fact that's what happened on the play just because it doesn't fit your narrative doesn't mean okay. it's not a even fact
4: if, even if the is did run back they should only got three yards on the draw plate man. well because it that, didn't that work didn't do nothing well but, 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 but that I, didn't do nothing.
1: well but Tour you're going based on the result nothing. of the play they got three yards yeah, and, and, three and Ture, yards. I'm not Tour I'm no, not disagreeing with you you but you're you're basing that on the result of the play what John is explaining is if you go before the play happened based on the alignment of the Arizona defense and what Pat Shermer was even explaining with the two shells and And the opportunity with four guys in the box for then Daniel Jones to make the right decision to say, hey, there's room for a running back to maneuver. Let's take the opportunity, get maybe seven or eight yards, cut the yardage and the down and distance in half, make it a more manageable fourth down. You can understand that logic. You're frustrated because they only got three yards. And that's fair. I get it. That's fair. I get
4: it. I'm not frustrated just because of the three yards. I'm frustrated that they didn't even get the first down. Well, they didn't even get close to nothing. They only got three yards. Yeah, which you means out, the result. You know, that... four 15, and it, it just didn't make sense. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yep. It Just didn't make sense. One we got because I know you guys got to go. No problem. My opinion is Sherman's. He's a good coach, but I think he's inconsistent in his play calling. How so? I mean, I, that's just my opinion. How so? And if it was if it was me, and I was in the front office, I would try to turn the hands over to Mike shoulder. Let's see what, how he do play calling. What's your problem I, with the play calling opinion.
0: specifically, Trey? What, what's inconsistent just, I, about him? What don't you like? I,
4: I just think he can be more creative with the players he has. If you're going to let Daniel Jones, if you feel as though he's comfortable in the pocket and shotgun, you know defense is going to see that on film. Try to get creative. You got to switch things up. Make it, make it look different for the defense. Make it harder. Make different looks for them. I mean, they just sitting back there. They're just 100%. hammering the guy. Okay. <laughs> get him on a run. Get create. I, I just want to see a little bit more creativity. Got it. I mean, uh, a little bit more design runs, and that, that, that's all. Just thanks for taking my call. No, thank all you, right, Dre. Appreciate
1: oh, the phone call. Always good to
0: hear from you. And again, folks, you can call in and call in with opinions, but but just you know, don't try to tell me a players did something on a play when. When, when they didn't. so Well, John, you know what this is going back to? It, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little
1: bit of what we were just talking about. I think and again, he was right, by the way. It was not an effective play, yeah. but it well, doesn't mean it wasn't the that. right thing to do. Yeah, Correct. And, and that's why. There's a difference between mm-hmm. being frustrated over the result of a play, John, Correct. versus being frustrated based on what you thought the defense Provided, which was the complete opposite. But when I listen to that phone call and I hear things about they got to be more creative, I'm thinking back to the Tampa Bay game, right? Because we saw him roll out, John. Right, that beautiful pass that he threw to Darius Slayton, That was off him rolling out, getting his feet set, barely with pressure in his face, and giving Darius Slayton a perfect pass. To get down right at the goal line, and we saw some of the designed opportunities where Daniel Jones was able to take it himself, but this goes back to what worked against Tampa Bay could very well be in the game plan again, John, against Minnesota and against New England, and then New England and Minnesota say, not so fast. Okay, because we're going to have a linebacker ready for Daniel Jones when he's about to come out off the edge. Well, and we actually saw that against Minnesota when they tried to roll out against him. Anthony Barr was on Daniel Jones, okay, as if he was a glue stick. I mean, he was with him every (laughs) step of the way. There was a play where Daniel Jones was coming off the edge and Anthony Barr was right in his grill. Uh So that's what I go back to. What you saw in the Tampa Bay game and everybody was enamored. And I understand that there was a lot of excitement to expect then defenses to not respond to the level of execution of Daniel Jones is just being naive. And that's what happened. They then said, we're going to take away those options, and now you're not seeing as much of that because they're accounting for Daniel Jones's mobility. Two zero one nine three
0: nine four five one three. 939 I want to try to get through some of these calls a little bit quicker, folks. I'm not trying to hang up on you, but I just want to make sure we, we got The phone lines have been filled the whole time. I want to make sure we get to as many people as possible. And maybe we'll go a little bit past 2.30 since we started about five minutes late. Joe in Pennsylvania is up next. How are you, Joe?
5: Oh, I guess bummed out like everybody. My my Understood. big peeve, my big peeve was our our defense. I mean, you, John, or me, or Lance could have ran through that them holes for that touchdown. He wasn't touched. Which one? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> all of them, but especially the first one. Oh You're right, Chase Edmonds. That I don't understand. I mean, the defensive line were, were, were our defensive ends playing that wide. <laughs> For containment on the quarterback. <laughs>
0: on, 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 on the first play, Joe, on the first Edmonds run, Zimenez got caught inside, and the, two, the defensive back and safety got blocked out towards the sideline, and then the Arizona blockers were able to get to the second level and prevent Peppers from getting over from the weak side. Uh-huh. So it was blocked really well, but Zimenez did not set the edge well on that play, and Pierre got sealed too. On the one up the middle, buffet. Had the chance at a solo tackle, he bounced off Edmonds. And actually, if you look at the tape on that, Peppers gets pushed right in the back by the center Shipley. It should have been an illegal block in the back penalty, that wasn't called. And then on the final play, I'm trying to remember on the final. I don't remember offhand on the final play what exactly what happened, but the, but those were at least two of the runs.
5: You're right, and some of them third and longs, but, but, but he wasn't touched. Uh, honest to God, that's what I says we could. On the first one, he it. wasn't. Yeah. That 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 was disgusting. You, you no, know, I get and it. We played we played against you know uh, Minnesota's defense and New England's. You know, they I, I thought our our offensive defensive lines played much tougher in them games than this one. It, you know, and in our per- personnel. That was the key. They set the tone, and, and uh, their quarterback and them never had to really make a play. You, you know what I mean? They, they, there was no pressure on them. It was always on us, and we never got over the hump to get the lead in that game. And, and, and really that was the key, uh, and, and it was uh, sickening, you know, and I just don't understand that. So uh, the the play on uh, Jack Rabbit was that, that – was that, uh, uh, the pass uh,
1: interference
0: you're talking about?
5: Honestly, yeah. I, I
0: I don't think it was, Joe. But once it's called on the field, they're just uh, not, not overturning. They're just yeah, not I overturning. Really I yet. call
5: you on one there. You know what I mean? But that, yep. it, that still, regardless, I says in all our turnovers and everything else, it was it was the tone set by the defense and the offense and that. We never got over the hump.
0: No, I think so, that's fair, Joe. Appreciate I, the call, man.
5: just. Disgusting. Hopefully, we uh, you know move on. The only thing I could take, I'm happy. My Yankees lost, uh, the Giants lost, the Eagles lost. So that's the only thing
3: I could take there. I appreciate it's one way to look at it. I mean, in
1: in fairness, though, another NFC East team won as a result of the Cowboys losing. So I don't really think it's a win situation there. But anyway,
0: And, and I think Joe made a good point because we didn't talk about the defense, Lance. The first three possessions all ended in scores. Now, one was a short field, just 32 yards, sure. But a 13-place, 75-yard start, 75 yard drive to start the game. Two or three on third down. One of one on fourth down. And they kind of just marched down the field. And then, frankly, I know the defense did better in the second half. They only allowed one short touchdown drive to three for 36. But the Arizona Cardinals, once the weather got bad, they also kind of put the offense in a safe a little bit. Do you know how many passes Kyle Murray through in the second half? I don't know offhand, but it doesn't seem like he only threw for 104 yards in the
1: game. So, if I'm not I can't mistaken, imagine...
0: He, let me just look at it real quick. I mean, he ran so, 10 times, I know. He was 12 of 17 in the first half at this All game. All right, so then he threw it four times then in the second half, two of four. Two or four. Now, the Giants even said a better job stopping a run, and they did a better job. They tried some of those misdirection screen plays and stuff like that, and they shut those down. But they really – they're like, look, we have the lead. We trust our defense. And they put the game in a safe offensively, and they said, look, we're going to make you guys beat us. Well, this game played out as close to perfection for the Cardinals
1: as they could have asked for because let's look at it from the elements coming into the game. I thought it was a bit of gamesmanship on the part of Cliff Kingsbury when he came out and said on Friday – if they were playing a game, David Johnson wouldn't have been able to play. Those were his exact words. I thought it was response to what Pat Shermer was doing with Saquon Barkley. I thought it was, you know, let's see who can catch somebody off guard. And then I went back and I listened to what Cliff Kingsbury said after the game, and it appeared David Johnson, yeah, was very shaken up leading into this week, and they wanted to rest him up. Uh, DJ Foster, another guy who was out of the backfield, was banged up too. They lost him late in the week in practice. And their plan was Chase Edmonds going to be the guy and they'll use David Johnson in an emergency circumstance. So, John, you couldn't have asked for a better circumstance where Chase Edmonds is running one big chunk after another. They get the 17-0 lead. Then the rain starts coming down. And you don't want to put your quarterback in a precarious spot where he's got to throw it 30 to 40 times because that could lead to turnovers. So, like I said, this Worked out perfectly for the Cardinals. They jumped out to a big lead. Their backup running back flourished,
0: and they didn't present their quarterback with a very tough scenario. Yeah, and I th- and I think it, the weather did play a, a role I think it did. Too. I think it absolutely. I think did. that really hampered both offenses yeah. late second quarter, second half. I really do. Kingsbury even admitted that he was asked. Did oh, did the he? rain
1: affect your game plan, your scheme, and he said yes. I and mean, Most coaches shy away from that, and they don't. he said, listen, we have a precision passing offense, and I wasn't going to put our quarterback in a spot where I was going to ask him to chuck the ball down the field if the weather conditions did not provide ideal circumstances. I did think the Giants defense did a great job Containing Murray's running ability. They did. They deserve a lot of credit for that. 10 rushes for 28 yards. He didn't have one disruptive, back-breaking run. I don't think he even ran for a first down the game, did he? His longest run was 11. So I don't don't know if that came on a first down. No, remember, that
0: was on the third and long, and he ran up the middle. Where he was just Yeah, correct, and he slid down
1: the middle. So yeah, I don't think he even had a first down run of the game. By the way, speaking of that, just as a little side note, if you watch Murray closely, he... Has the perfect game plan to protect himself. Did you notice? Dude, he, he just yeah. gives up on plays, John. He runs out of bounds he or slots. He never
0: puts himself in a spot where the defense is going to lay him out. Russell Wilson, does, when's the last time you saw Russell Wilson yeah, get no, hit Russell, hard? But Murray, I think, is actually, I would argue, a little bit more effective. That's fine. In doing that. Huh? I mean, he'll, he'll just give up on a play. And Lance, going into the game, I saw the same exact thing on tape. Yeah. He isn't taking one big hit the whole year. He just gets down. And you know what? When you're 5'11 and <laughs> like 200 pounds, that's what you're better do. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, I know from experience. How do you think I kept this Frame in place for all these years
0: yeah you know those you know <laughs> hard hitting broadcast boots you have to <laughs> really watch out for yeah, the blind those side those bumper cars too yeah Big Booking Off Live is presented by Coors Light to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light text VIP to 90464 for more details let's go back to the calls and say what's up to Marco in Connecticut next hey Marco hey John
2: hey
0: Lance what's up buddy um, how we doing Marco I got I got a question
2: I'll ask you right at the end but a couple quick points sure um so I'm just gonna vent a little bit. Um, sure. Golden Golden Tate. Um, here's here's the thing about Golden Tate. I didn't know much about him besides his like yards after the catch stuff uh, that he you know led the league and before he came to the Giants. Uh huh. Um, I don't need like here's here's I'm just I'm venting. I to Golden Tate. You were gone the first month of the season. You backpedal into the end zone against New England to score a touchdown. Every catch he made yesterday, he had to get up and do something. We're getting beat seventeen to nothing. I was beyond frustrated. I don't know if that's something he's going to continue to do. Makes a point, but it, it's really a joke considering the way we're playing.
0: Okay, um, what's next?
2: First, first thing. Second thing. Um, you
0: can hit that later. Yeah.
2: This encompasses like the mental game. Um, I'm wondering, are there referees that are working with the coaches specifically, Shermer? Uh, week to week, so he's making these challenges, which he's in the right to do, and we're seeing the replays, and... The the challenges are not getting overturned. Are there referees that are working with him during the week to say, hey, listen, around the league, this is what's getting called. Well, he knows that.
1: Marco, he knows that. He's even admitted that, that he knows what the trends are. And he basically said after the game, I didn't expect to get overturned, but I wanted to make a point. Exactly. And and he was asked that specific question. He was asked, why do you continue to do that if you know that you're never going to get it overturned? It's more of, on principle that he wants to bring this to the attention of the league, and he also made the claim, and, but, yeah. when you give up I didn't mean to cut you off, Sorry. When, when it's a deep pass down the field, for example, with the Jenkins, and you're going to sacrifice 40-some-odd yards to the opponent, he feels it's worth taking a chance to see by the slight hair
0: if this is the one time they'll actually overturn it. And Marco, I think in addition to that, if it's a second-half play, I think he'd be much more yeah. cautious about making that challenge, but losing a first-half timeout, not quite as big of a deal yeah.
2: good, good, good point both of you thanks for, thanks for taking me through that Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the last point before my question is I don't know if you guys talked about the slate and play at the end why why are we not maybe we are maybe it was on the player I don't know we're not going to throw a rookie under the bus but are we telling the player like hey listen this is how much time we have we, we, we we're catching the ball and we're downing the ball we're not running this out and to do that when we're, putting to, we're losing time, now we, like it's putting us in a, a bad situation. That's just, I, I think, football 101 on that last play of the game. Well, Schumer,
0: yeah, Shermer was asked that today, actually, Marco, so we can give you some illumination on that, too. He said if he had caught it deep in the end zone, he, he was instructed to down it, but since he caught it only one yard deep, and this is what he said, again, I'm just quoting the quote, Coach, uh, I have yep. faith in my players to go out there and make plays and he had faith that he could make a, a big chunk return and that's why he was okay with it despite the fact like you said it might have cost him an additional play before the two minute warning yeah and also
1: cost him yardage too if you want to argue because Correct. of where the drive would have started so i' mean fair points but that's exactly what Shermer explained today
2: he, he does have explanations Shermer but even like yesterday he when they asked him about the fourth down play his his reasoning was um i had already made up my mind that we're going for it on uh, we're going for it on fourth down but what if Barkley had gotten stopped in the backfield and now it's fourth in 18, 20? You're, you're still going for it? I don't, I don't understand the, hey, this is what we're doing and we're going to do it. And You know, Marco, guys, it's funny. Ah.
0: You, you, Marco, you're asking excellent questions because Pat Shermer was asked that today too by the media. Um and, no, and it, give
2: it to me, give it to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, 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 it was, <laughs> and it was Paul Schwartz. He asked him specifically, you know, Coach, you said last night that that was your plan, that's what you were going to do is there anything that could have happened that could have changed your mind from that plan? Right. And he was legit asked that question, and Pat kind of thought about it, and he was a little bit softer on the, you know, that was a no-brainer 4th and fifteen decision when he spoke to the media today. He said, look, I understand the criticism, and yes, there are things that could have happened that could have made me change my mind on what we were going to do, but in the, in the heat of the moment, that's what I decided to do. As a coach, you make your decisions, you get the criticism from those decisions, I understand it, and that's where we are. So that that's kind of what he said about it today.
2: Thank you again, guys. And yep. here's, my, here's my question. I'll jump off. You guys mentioned before about the rookie inconsistencies, rookie mistakes, and, and Jones has checked every box. I want to know, both of you, what is your level of concern with the fumbles, the ball that we keep seeing get stripped every week? That is something that has gone back to even Duke and in the preseason and we're seeing it now. Uh, and I believe uh, when you guys were studying film in the off season on these rookie quarterbacks, that was something that was brought up on Jones. W- what is your level of concern there? I, Thank you, guys.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, Marco. Thanks for the phone call. I'll be quick, and then I'll let Lance at the first gold oh, tape point yes. you made, too. He will definitely get that. Because Lance has been salivating for the last <laughs> 90 seconds about that. Um, ball protection in the pocket has never been a big thing for me. And I'm consistent about this, because when people called up and were ripping Sam Darnold coming out of USC two years ago about him not protecting the ball and fumbling a lot, what did I say? I said that you can fix that. You can get two hands on the ball. You can do it. So the physical protection of the ball, no, no concerns. I think the internal clock and feeling pressure and making good decisions under pressure, that's more of the thing that I think you hone in on here that can make the difference between a great quarterback and a quarterback that is not at that upper, upper tier level. So I think it's more the internal clock, handling the pressure, feeling the rush, that sort of thing, that's more important than the physical protection of the football. I think with technique, That can be fixed. Yeah, it's got to become a routine for him, John, which is what
1: you're spelling out. You get to the point where you sense the pressure, then your internal clock tells you, okay, get two hands on the ball, Get ready, brace myself for being taken down, or brace myself. I'm going to run that I may take a hit and I've got to protect the ball. That just comes with routine. You know, like anything else, you practice it so that when you go into a game, it's just a continuous flow. As far as Marco's first point about Golden Tate and what he's doing after every single play, I do remember the running backwards into the end zone against New England. I'll be honest with you, I was not necessarily paying that much close attention to what he was doing, John, after maybe making a catch here or there yesterday. Maybe you could shed more light on that. I'd have to go back and look at that carefully. I honestly didn't notice it I didn't notice anything that really was outrageous, but this is my perspective and my philosophy. Somebody would have to explain to me how Golden Tate running backwards into the end zone against the New England Patriots forced Daniel Jones to throw an interception in the second half of the game and force the Giants to be shut out in the second half of the game. If you can correlate those two, then I am totally fine with hearing you out Why you get irritated. And I'm not just pinpointing this on Marco or Les Cole. I'm talking about anybody that has an issue. I want to know how those are synonymous with one another because until somebody can prove that to me, it is not a crime to showcase emotion. These are human beings, okay, putting their bodies on the line Enjoying themselves at playing a professional sport, which is part of sports entertainment. They want to celebrate after getting a first down. They want to celebrate after getting a sack. I've got no problem with that. It reminds me of, not to go off on a complete tangent. Here we go. And I know John is very passionate about this subject too, but it reminds me of, because I know we've got a lot of Yankee fans too that are Giants fans. For anybody that wants to get all worked up over a Aroldis Chapman's facial expression after he gave up the home run to Jose Altuve is in the same boat as people that have complained about Golden Tate running backwards into the end zone. Correct. When is it a crime that he doesn't show his frustration in the manner that you want him to? It's not. We're not all robotic. So... I'm not going to get on a player. I'm not going to get on a player for anything in terms of how they behave after a play whether it be good or bad because you then have to tell me how that impacts the rest of the team. And if you went through the locker room right now and we were in there 10, 15 minutes ago, I don't think any fellow wide receiver will say I am so disgusted with what Golden Tate did against the Patriots that I could not brace myself to go out there on the next drive and make a play. I just don't see anything. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't think it took anything away from the game, and it took certainly nothing away from the team's production or the lack thereof. I thought
0: he was going to bring up the pass where he bailed on the slant. Well, if that's what you want to talk about, that's completely different. Right, and I thought that play was more of emotions. Because, look, Jones shouldn't have thrown it there. Because I will tell you, if Golden Tate goes to catch that ball on that first drive, he might not have played the rest of the game. That linebacker was coming over, and as Pat Shermer said at his press conference today— that's what you call a a play that you only throw if there's nobody in the hole, which is what you call that on the slant, and there was somebody in the hole. <laughs> oh, yeah. So as he said, I believe Pat Shermer said, yes, that could have been executed better on both ends of that play. Yes, he did. I, I believe that's what he said today. So yeah, He didn't hold back on that one. <laughs> no, he did not. I'm trying to find Daniel Jones' Duke stats on fumbles, and I can't. Did you go to... College Football Reference do they have I on, did. They do not they have They do not fumbles. have that on the truck. No, they're they very good not. in
1: terms of statistics.
0: I know. That was the first yeah. place I went. They do not have it. So, and I doubt Duke's
1: website if you went back probably and had their individual statistical breakdown. That may be another route to go I'm not sure sometimes colleges do have the column in
0: their breakdown of statistics of fumbles lost. I don't recall fumbles being a big issue for him at Duke I honestly don't I remember some of his decision making at the end of plays under pressure when things broke down being a problem and we talked about that in the show I do not remember fumbles necessarily being an issue neither do I John I'm with you I do remember clearly what Marco was also referencing
1: about It was troublesome a little bit in the preseason. Okay. 100%. That's a very fair point. And you wanted to see more of a sample size before you determine if it's a trend. And yes, it's become somewhat of a trend. So if you want to get on it for the preseason and hasn't been corrected since then, that I'm
0: fine. I don't, like you, remember it being an overwhelming issue at Duke. All right. We got three more callers. Let's get to them. And we'll give you guys all the time you need. And then we'll say goodbye. Len in Columbia, Maryland. I know Len's not happy today. What's up, buddy?
6: Oh, another wonderful day at MetLife.
0: Oh boy, and and you know what? You had to sit through the rain in that too, Len.
6: Ugh. Oh jeez, stinks. I
0: I awful. feel for you.
6: Just awful. I yep. tell you, I felt like when I walked out of the stadium, I felt like I just stepped out of a swimming pool. Ugh. It was unbelievable. I, I can imagine.
0: <laughs> it was, a wet it was one. miserable. Hey, and a cold listen, one too. Uh,
6: on the Tate slant. Yeah. Um. I. I don't. I don't care how you explain it. How coach explained it. It it really didn't look good.
0: No, it didn't look good. I agree with you. That's fair.
6: no, no. It really didn't look good, given the circumstances and where you're playing and how the season's going and how many games you missed at the beginning. I mean, it just it just didn't look good. All right, um, you 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 know, John, you made a comment about uh, you know warning the fans not to be wary of any team we play. Um, th- there's only one reason to do that, John. We we simply aren't very good. I mean, we can't go. Into any game, not being wary. I mean, we just we just aren't very good. No, no, no Len, mean, like, Why not be wary of who we the opponent it. is?
0: You're right. No, no, <laughs> Len, You're right. Yeah. Right now, the team has to play well to beat any team in the league. So you yeah. have to come in and bring your A game every week. You just do.
6: Yeah, Lance. I don't think you have the answer to this question, but I'm going to put you on the spot anyway. Um, you you did a great job in the post game yesterday. Uh, you know, Adverse. opening up the show in the post game, talking about all of the negatives that Arizona brought into the game, right down to how many catches tight ends had made against Arizona. It was quite a litany of things, and I appreciate you doing that. And it really was a kind of a a damning statement about the Arizona Cardinals and how they've been playing this year. So here's the question, generally, that I want to ask, and it's really not for you to answer, Lance. I just want to ask this question. How, How do you fall behind to this team How do you fall behind to to this team? Seventeen to nothing in the first uh, twenty-one to nothing in the first seventeen minutes of the game. Seventeen. I mean, I mean, you got yeah, you got a team that got on a plane and try. I mean, you know the whole thing about coming east and uh, you know you got the elements and guy. How do you what? How do you fall behind like that, John, Lance? Can, can, well, can you give me you s- turn it over. some sort of reasonable explanation? You turn it over.
1: Yeah, I mean, the turnovers is one. The inability to stop the Arizona Cardinals' running game, I, I think, is the biggest reason. How do you think they built that lead, Len? Chase Edmonds had two huge runs to put him up 14 nothing in the blink of an eye after the Giants punted in between. So, I mean, I think it's crystal clear why they fell behind in that lead. And I also think, and, and I actually I asked Carl Banks this question on the postgame show And, you know, he mentioned that they were moving Patrick Peterson around, and I think they were. But I think Peterson's presence changes the dynamics, Len, of a Cardinals defense that, yes, I did point out statistically had struggled, but they statistically struggled without an eight-time Pro Bowl corner. If I then bring back a guy into the equation, if I'm Vance Joseph, you're going to tell me my defensive scheme doesn't change a little bit because I go from playing Byron Murphy, a rookie corner, opposite, you know, another young safety in Deontay Thompson and I bring Patrick Peterson in, now I can get creative. Now if I want... I take Peterson, I put him on a wide receiver, I could double Evan Ingram and help out with the tight end compared to what I was unable to do when I was going up against Austin Hooper the previous week with the Falcons and Will Disley with the Seahawks. So that can't be dismissed either. They saw a different Arizona defense. I don't want to make it sound like Arizona you know, woke up and, and solved their football issues, but Patrick Peterson, to completely overlook the fact that he did not help the defense yesterday, I also think is naive.
6: Let me let me throw out a thank you. Yeah. Let me throw out a let me throw out a possible idea here. Total lack of preparation. Total lack of motivation. They oh weren't ready God. to start this game yet. Well, but why do you I feel that way, Lynn? I got the feeling they thought they were going to throw a piece of their equipment out on the field and Arizona was just going to collapse on them play the game. Lance, Tracy Edmonds, he's smaller than Kyler Murray. Chase Edmonds,
1: yeah. Well, Tracy Edmonds may be smaller too. I don't know what Tracy Edmonds, but I I get your point. In terms of Chase Edmonds, you're right. He's a smaller back, but here's the thing. If you get good blocking, Len, most backs are going to take advantage of those holes. And keep in mind, Chase Edmonds was also averaging over six yards a carry coming into the game. It was a small sample size, but he was no slouch. He was effective when they utilized him. And a big part of their offense is to get two running backs on the field for the sake of misdirection. And that's why they were fully confident in resting David Johnson because they knew what Chase Edmonds brought to the table. But, Len, I want to ask you a follow-up question. When you point to the lack of preparation, the lack of effort, yeah. What did you see yesterday? Because I don't buy into that. I, I don't think it was the 10-day layoff. I don't think the guys didn't weren't motivated to play. What did you see? Why do you believe that? I'm, I'm just curious. Okay. Why do you think that that was the okay. reason why they lost to the Cardinals yesterday? Yeah,
6: we, we, could, we, could go, we could go back to the tape and maybe prove Joe from Pennsylvania wrong. But I think all three of those runs, he went in untouched.
0: No, no. Uh, Well,
1: well those, what, the first uh, one, I mean, was definitely the other two. The Antoine Bethane uh, so, I mean, so, missed the tackle on one runs, of them. So.
6: Three runs of 20 or more yards for touchdowns from Tracy Edmonds? I don't care what he's averaging. And, and watch the defensive backs on those plays. Watch DeAndre on a couple of those plays. Just watch DeAndre he on got a couple blocked. of those plays. He got blocked. Okay. huh? He got blocked. Lack of effort. I'm calling him out. I'm calling him out right now. Lack right. of effort.
0: We're not though. Just for the record. Stick yeah, your right.
6: nose. Stick your nose in the play. Stick your nose in the play. Make a play. It looks like it's not in his job description. Run protection is not in DeAndre Baker's job description. Thank you, Len. He, I mean, he, 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 let me, let me, can I say one more thing, John? Really fast, yeah, real, real, quick. real quick, real quick, With the kind of quarterback, for whatever the reason, for whatever the reasons are, for the kind of quarterback production we got yesterday we can't win a game. It was a I, you give me all the reasons. all the reasons why it occurred. I'm not blaming I'm not blaming Daniel. You can't look at that production and think you can win a football game.
0: Len, I will say this and thank you for the call. I think Thanks, okay. I will say this. If your quarterback turns it over 3 times and throws for 220 yards and gets sacked 8 times, I think it's probably hard to win a game. I think that's fairly straightforward. Is that fair? I think that's very fair. And again, that doesn't mean all those things are the quarterback's fault. Of course. Because his production is dependent on a lot of other people playing well.
1: And, you know, one of the things that we didn't mention is also that running game has not really returned to form, even with Saquon Barkley back. And I, I think part of it may be... 18 or 72 is okay. Well, but I, I think there were opportunities to perhaps, you know, with him coming back and Wayne Goleman wasn't utilized much, which I'm actually surprised nobody asked... Much of Pat Shermer today about, you know, Wayne Goldman and, and his usage. I, I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more of him as a receiver, John, because he was very effective since he played. I guess I'm looking at it between the receiving game with the running backs and the ground attack. I, I think the Giants at least hope that they could get back to what. The Cowboys game and the Bills game produced on the ground, which we haven't really seen consistently since then. A Redskins game, I would throw in there too because they did run the ball even with Saquon Barkley out of that game. But you know that to me is a, is the way you help out a quarterback, so you don't have to rely just on him airing it down the field. Robin in
0: Atlanta is up next. Hey,
1: Robin.
7: Hey, how you doing, John? Lynch?
0: What's up, nice man? Doing all right.
7: Call, man.
1: No, no
0: problem. Um, Thanks for calling in. What's up?
7: I got I got a couple of things, man. Um, sure. I think uh, that I think he needs to give up the play caller. That doesn't work when the head coach has to coach and do play calling. We got an offensive coordinator. We should leave that for him. Plus, I got another thing. Um, it was this happened like I think it might have been right after we we, we played the Bucks uh, in that week, going up to the um, to the next game. I think um, Pat Sherman, I don't know if anybody you know anybody said anything, but I know Pat Shurmur has said uh, he was in a press conference and he had said um, that Daniel Jones. And I'm not knocking Daniel Jones. I think he's going to be a great quarterback for us. I know he has said that uh, Daniel Jones and did some. You know, I, I don't really like when a head coach has to say something like that. You're the head coach. You're actually supposed to be the smartest guy in the building. He has said Daniel Jones is the smartest guy in the building. He's actually smarter than me. I don't know if you guys can remember recalling I, him saying that. Yeah, he's been
0: extremely complimentary. Yeah, Robin, I, I I think that's just a, a coach saying yeah. things that you know, or you know. Just trying to be commented with the player. I don't think he's look. If, if you want to talk about encyclopedic knowledge of football, Pat Shermer's a smarter football guy than Daniel Jones. He's been doing it for thirty <laughs> more years. I think
1: he's seen slightly a little bit more football. You know than what Daniel I mean?
7: Jones. Yeah, but that's uh, you know you, you can't have like a head coach saying you know you, you're supposed to be pretty much the smartest guy. Yeah, no but well,
1: but Robin, I think you, you're reading too much into the phrase, I, I guess is what we're saying. You, he was complimentary of him, and, and some of those things are said with slight hyperbole and exaggeration to just display how impressed he's been with him, even though he's still a relatively young quarterback. I, I don't think if you truly had a heart-to-heart conversation with Pat Shermer, he was admitting Daniel Jones knows more about football than he does at this stage in his career. Once again, I, I think you're reading way too much into that statement.
7: Uh, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I am, but you know I, I don't you know it's my my opinion though, but you know I shouldn't want to hear that coming from you know our head coach, you
0: know. I hear you.
1: I got it. I mean once again I I don't, I don't think it was a, a negative reflection on Pat Shermer. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for right, waiting. You got it. I think once again he was asked a question about. And he's been asked about this constantly. You know, does your feelings of Daniel Jones, does your confidence in him change given his recent struggles in terms of ball security? And once again, Pat Shermer has always said he's a fighter, he's battling, I like what I'm seeing, we've just got to get better. And one of his answers to that, I distinctly remember it being how he's an extremely intelligent, smart guy, and he's the smartest guy in the room. And once again, that that was not Shermer taking a knock at himself from a realistic (laughs) standpoint. It was just being complimentary of his quarterback and saying that he's got a strong head on his shoulders, even though perhaps things are not always going his way.
0: All right. I want to just go back to our first call very quickly. I and mean, yeah. I apologize for going long. He you finished about the it. mathematics.
1: Uh, I did some. So I tell you, it's always impressive how you can balance hosting a show, co-hosting a show, I should say, or let's not give you full credit. And also I'm carrying the ball. Let's be mathematical. Well, you know, listen, <laughs> I put a lot of weight on my co-host shoulder, so maybe we'll give you some
0: slight credit, but go ahead. Yes. Um, just talking about, and I'll get to play-action stuff in a second, but I'll throw this at you. In terms of shotgun and being under center, and this is kind of what I referenced, under center, Daniel Jones is 22 attempts, completed only 11 passes, 96 yards, and two interceptions. Sacked three times. Shotgun, 96 of 153, 63%, six touchdowns, five interceptions, Um, 6.8 yards per attempt, and under center, he was just 4.4 yards per attempt. So he's performed much better under shotgun than he has under center, and I believe, doing my quick math here, he actually has a higher sack rate under center than he has in shotgun. He's been sacked 15 times at 153 attempts at a shotgun, which is about 10%, right? I'm doing my quick math. Yeah. Three sacks and twenty two attempts under center, which is one of every seven. So which is that's what like what eighteen percent give or take, something like that, seventy yeah, percent. Uh something more like sixteen. But so he actually has a higher sack rate under center than he has under shotgun. So while yes, based on the success end of last year, you want under center more. For now at least, Daniel Jones has performed better under at a shotgun than he has under center. Yeah. You said what, he had five interceptions out of shotgun though? Yeah, but, you say, but... but but No, a, I know you it, have to
1: take into consideration the pass attempts. Right, though, so he has five interceptions yeah. in
0: 153 attempts versus two interceptions in 22 attempts. Okay, much smaller sample
1: size on the uh, under center. And a much smaller
0: interception yeah. percentage Rate. under shot. Yeah. Yeah. Rate. It's exactly. all relative Correct. to the
1: amount of pass attempts. It's Bingo. not the volume just alone.
0: Yeah, And so. I'm trying to find... I'm looking for play action percentage. Okay, I do have that here. Let me look that up really quick for you. In terms of play action percentage this year... The Giants are ranked 21st. Actually, I got to uncheck the play action button to make that actually work and make sense. Um, The Giants have run play action this year on 23.4% of their passes. The league average is 24.8%. So they're just 1% off the league average. If I take out Eli Manning's two weeks, so if I start in week three, I can tell you where they sit. They stand... Same exact spot, 22%, 22nd in the league, just 3% off the league average. So they're right, right, right in about the same spot. And Jones, out of play action, though, 24-38, five touchdowns, 65%, 113 quarterback rating. Which goes
1: back to my point about the running game. You only are effective in play action if you establish the run.
0: Believe it or not, analytics say that's not true. Well, why, What do the analytics point to? They say to effectiveness of play action remained the same within games throughout the course of the entire season, regardless of how effective your running game is. And logically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it but doesn't make sense to me. the theory that they have is that these guys, and I apologize if you going late, McKenzie, I know we're killing you. Uh, the <laughs> defensive players are so ingrained from when they stepped onto the field for the first time that you have to stop the run first. That they always bite for that. Correct. Now, in my opinion— I do believe there's a different mentality once another team is either having no success against you running it or a lot of success or you have, you know, even a Saquon Barkley versus John Hilliman. I, in my heart of hearts, yeah. do believe just from a mental approach standpoint, I've talked to enough defensive players in my, you know, 13 seasons working here for the Giants. I do think mentally for players, there's a difference. Does it result in a tangible result on the field? The numbers say no. There are a way to parse those numbers, obviously, but Look, the Giants. Would I like to see the more play action? Sure, but I do think also having a big deficit does hurt play action, because if you're down 21, the other team's not going to be worried about yeah, you running the because they know you can't run the football. You can't afford to because yes. of the clock. Yeah, Correct. I mean, so, n- r- just ga- game r- flow for that to me is much more important than the effectiveness of the run. That's
1: game. fair. I mean, I also go back to just real quickly: Cowboys eagles game last night. Zeke was running the ball effectively, and that great play call that they had on the. G- goal line essentially where the eagles literally completely all ran to the right and blake jarwin couldn't have been more wide open the cowboys tight end how but, funny was that Al michael's line did you already said that that may have been the most wide open player in nfl history <laughs> yes. or something to that nature yeah but I, I don't blame him that's i think that was line. well put but uh. i guess what, what i'm pointing at is zeke being out on the
0: field though his presence is a big part of selling that play i agree with that that's what i'm saying no and so, and and, yeah. and, I, and i think you're right but well, yeah. Could you maybe do a little bit more play action? Sure. But I think the shotgun on the center thing, last year, Eli was a better player under center than he was under shotgun. Jones has not been so far this season. And again, I think that probably goes back to the fact that he was in shotgun a lot more under Duke. But Ron, your point in the first call, let us wrap it up all the way. There the you end. go. See, the show comes full circle. It's a thing of beauty. And it was also presented by Coors Light. There you go. We even tie up. that in. Yes. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text 949. I'm sorry. Let me try that again. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. For Lance Menno, I'm John Schmelk. We're back tomorrow at one thirty for more Big Blue Kickoff live on Giants.com. We'll see you then. Adios. Have a good one.